Hey everyone, Talking With Our Mouths Full is at its core a community podcast. So today, before we begin the episode, there is something that we want to say for those who need to hear it. I'm not black, but I see you. I'm not black, but I hear you. I'm not black, but I mourn with you. I'm not black, but I will fight for you. 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 We will fight for you. We see the injustice that you face daily. We see your fear for your sons and even your daughters. Black lives do matter. And although we are not black, we will stand with you. Welcome back to another episode of Talking With Their Mouths Full. I'm Nightmare Nguyen. And I'm Michael Chan. We are coming to you fresh off the Canadian Isolation Film Festival. And boy, do we have an amazing guest for you all. Today totally we amazing. have with us from the other side of Canada in British Columbia, director, mm-hmm, editor, and what? the filmmaker of the short film that won the ISFF5 Fingers of Fury. He is Josh Aries. Welcome oh. to the show, Josh. Hey, hello. Oh, Thanks oh, for oh. having me. Wow, that was such a great intro. I'm Thank actually got you. so hyped for that. Thank you. I've been working on my intros. <laughs> great. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, how have you been since the uh, the ISFF? Oh, I've been great. My family's been really happy with the whole uh, thing. I've been chilling. I've been editing a lot, trying to think about the next big venture. Once this thing is all over, and yeah, and now I'm here. I'm just here talking with you guys. <laughs> <laughs> now you're here, yeah. yeah. Um, so you're an editor. How has the pandemic been for you? Because over here, a lot of our productions uh, have shut down or have been put on hiatus. And you mentioned, you know, you're still editing. So I'm guessing certain parts of your industry during the pandemic is still open. Uh, yes. Uh, luckily, like. The post-production um, world is still chugging along because, you know, we all tend to be working pretty remotely in the <laughs> first place anyway. So the editors and all the colorists and all that, uh, VFX artists as well, they've been chugging away during this whole quarantine process. So it's been doing pretty well. And I'm very grateful to be part of it. So, yeah. <laughs> That's good to hear. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We actually spoke to our um, people on Instagram and... Turns out that 83% say yes, they can actually make a film in quarantine as well. Heck yeah. You can do it with anything, man. <laughs> oh, yeah. 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 So Everything is possible. Outside of winning a film festival, how has your time been during this pandemic, especially considering things seem to be a lot better in BC than over in here in Ontario? Oh, how has it been doing here? Yeah, like, like, are, like, you, are you all staying home? Uh, are, are a lot of businesses shutting down? Like, how has it yeah. been? Yeah. Yeah, they're a small business that uh, unfortunately being shutting down. Uh, my family is kind of very strict on all of us staying at home right now because, you know, we don't want to risk it at all. Mm -hmm. And our family has some elderly people as well, so we don't want to risk it for them. So, yeah, I've, I basically haven't left my house in like the past like month or so. Other than just like help oh, us like, bring the groceries and everything too. But, yeah, it's, it's not as bad as other places, but 
we still want to like uh be careful you know are you because i haven't really followed the news for bc but are you guys starting to reopen yes we are we're actually in the second phase of oh, wow. the reopening process yeah so Whoa. people are allowed to go in public people are allowed to um, go to places that, that are like the malls are open again and we're kind of like keeping our distance but then <laughs> there's still like a lot of talk about you know the second wave incoming in the in the fall or whatever oh yeah like we are quite worried about the second wave although i don't know if you heard the news about us but last weekend a whole bunch of people like ten thousand people showed up at this one park in downtown toronto <gasps> so oh, dear. yeah like the last couple of days our masks numbers were been, off yep yeah masks, masks were, were off. off oh wow yeah. so, you know i still can't believe we're living in a time like this it's it's nuts you know i yeah it, it's almost surreal you know like yeah i'm kind of hoping this is a once in a lifetime thing because i really don't want this to happen again yeah on a more positive note since you're home with your family so like what have you been eating like do you once in a while do takeout or is it mostly like home-cooked meals oh it's mostly been home-cooked meals nothing really fancy just like eggs and spam and rice and all that stuff but then like once a once a week we do order out like ramen or pho or um you know the local bubble tea place with oh. like like uh yeah with asian food like, oh so good like salty peppery chicken from bubble world here um, uh michael you told me you're from uh richmond right the richmond area here in nbc no 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 i'm from richmond hill oh richmond hill I see. yeah but i remember we talked that you had like relatives here yes in the i do area. i uh i have an aunt in richmond bc Ah, uh, yeah it, richmond bc is known for like they're really good, like Asian food, because there's a big yes. Asian American community down there. Yeah, mind you, I haven't the been the night market. The oh, night yes, market. The night market. Yes, that's right. But yeah, like the food in Richmond is amazing, and yeah, that, that's all I can say for now. <laughs> and whereabouts are you? Uh, I actually live in Surrey, BC, which oh. is around like southeast of Vancouver, like a, like an hour drive away. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I've never been there. I've heard of Surrey. So, what's the food scene like? The food scene like in Surrey, uh, we have a very big South Asian community here. So there's a mm -hmm. lot of like Indian restaurants and all that, and they're very good. It's very good. Like I love the curry that comes with oh, it too. Oh, that's great. Yeah, <laughs> but then like the go-to like the go-to spot for like um, hangouts and like all that stuff is called Bull World, which is like this bubble tea place right mm -hmm. by uh, Guilford area in Surrey. And they serve, like, obviously bubble tea, but also serve, like, really great Asian food, like, uh, like noodles and all that. <laughs> I, yeah. don't really know, I don't really call the name, but I, I always order the same thing over and over again in that place. And it's, uh, fish, it's like basically deep-fried fish fillet with oh. fried rice. Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> oh. yeah. <laughs> I had dinner, but I'm getting hungry again. <laughs> <laughs> Round so any, two. That's uh, <laughs> never too late, you know. <laughs> Second dinner, I'm a hobbit. Um, any good coffee shops? Oh, yes, there is. Um, my favorite coffee shop to visit here in Surrey is called Coffee Monster. Ooh. And Coffee Monster is a very, like, the atmosphere. It's I go there mostly for the atmosphere, more so than the coffee, but the coffee is also good mm -hmm. to help you study and, like, work. But this the, the, the atmosphere and the vibe you get there, it feels like you're one of those, like, lo-fi hip-hop videos you, you know mm. what i'm talking about on youtube 
Yeah, I think I know what you're talking about. <laughs> like, there's like a person like studying by a window, and there's like lo-fi music playing in the background. It's it's kind of fits that vibe, this really comfortable, warm vibe that you get. Mm-hmm. And that's what I really admire about Coffee Monster. Lots of good memories there. But I, I noticed you were hesitating on the drinking coffee part. So you're not really a coffee drinker, or do you? Uh, no, I'm not really a coffee drinker. Aww. I only I only drink I only drink coffee when it's time to like clutch, where it's like you know like a late night. Or a deadline's coming up, so I just like you know down one real quick and just go to town on work, you know. <laughs> yeah, I have a two-year-old, so I need to caffeinate like every thirty minutes. <laughs> oh boy! <laughs> Maybe someday I'll well, reach out. Well, did you know level. that coffee <laughs> actually does more than just like you know keeping you up? So like, did you know that the Sufis in Yemen they use coffee as a way to concentrate and kind of like a spiritual intoxication when they chanted the name of God. So what? All coffee. Whoa, that's crazy. Yeah. Is that night? Is that a history bite? Did you just history yeah. bite us? Yeah. Wow. Oh. We just got hit history bitten. That's crazy. That's like the <laughs> what an honor. <laughs> all praise coffee. All praise coffee. All praise coffee. Indeed. Wow. I had no idea. Spiritual intoxication. Spiritual. Like when I saw those words, I was just like, spiritual intoxication. What was in the coffee? <laughs> I need to look this up. I want to know what spiritual intoxication looks like. <laughs> you probably like see that pretty often. Actually, people drink coffee like every day. So every every day, you probably see people on like the, the the subway spiritually intoxicated with coffee. You know, <laughs> you probably see it pretty often. You know. Oh man, yeah. I had this teacher back in high school. He had a coffee cup in his hand all day long. He would be like writing on the on the chalkboard with one hand and a coffee cup in his other hand the entire class and it never left his hand you will look cool at coffee trait. at a whole different way now mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but speaking of coffee one of my favorite places in toronto to get coffee is called merchants of green coffee basically it's where uh it's near my headshot photographer denise grant kind of in the uh it's like next to the don valley parkway which is our main north south highway in toronto uh just kind of off of queen street east like north of it uh, on Matilda Street. I think it's to Matilda Street. But yeah, there are a lot of addition studios around there. Mm -hmm. And like I said, my headshot photographer is there as well. So whenever I'm in the area, I always have to go to Merchants of Green Coffee. Uh, also, I used to do swing dancing. And What? Uh, no way! Yeah. That's awesome. There's, uh, there used to be a school right on top of Merchants of Green Coffee called uh, Bees Knees Dance. Yeah. Uh, and then the space they were, I guess, renting to do the classes was called, uh, or still is, called the Jam Factory. It's like this old uh, historic building. Mm -hmm. So it, it's absolutely stunning. But yeah, Merchants is on, it's on the ground floor. And their coffee is just, oh. Wow. That's such a good combo, too, actually. Coffee and then the place to dance upstairs. Like, wow. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think now... Yeah, swing dancing. But now it's a uh, it's an event space because unfortunately the school closed down. Oh, okay, okay. It doesn't stop you from dancing though, you know. No. Nope, no. No. But of course, uh Merchants of Green Coffee is our uh place that we are introducing today. So Nightingale, tell us more about the place. Alrighty, Merchants of Green Coffee specializes in roasted and green coffee. For over 20 years, Merchants of Green Coffee prides themselves on their principles of fresh coffee, fair trade, and green business. 
From these words alone, this is not your average coffee house. Fresh coffee is a refreshed approach by presenting to your senses the natural sweetness and aromas of your coffee with distinct regional tastes and flavors. Fair trade, as they source the finest specialties certified green coffee beans while providing you with a real coffee education. 95% of their coffee supply is certified organic and is 100% certified fair trade. It has been this way since its inception. Fun fact, did you know that Merchants of Green Coffee was the very first licensed importer of certified fair trade coffees in North what? America? What? Well, what? Really? Score for Toronto. Wow. Now, finally, green business. A fully transparent business while searching to further reduce emissions and enrich the environment. Their solution is their flagship coffee, Cafe Solar, a registered trademark. This coffee's sustainable supply chain has solar-powered coffee processing, organic growing conditions, and women managing the whole operation. All we nice. can say is try Merchants of Green Coffee. Let us know Heck what you yeah. think. They have a coffee school and more. You can also find them on their website at merchantsofgreencoffee.com and on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Wow. Thanks wow. for... Uh... Back to you, Michael. <laughs> wow, that's great. <laughs> Thanks for looking all that up. But yeah, since we're all home these days, and I'm, like I said, I'm from Richmond Hill, north of Toronto, I actually ordered some of their coffee from their website. Uh, today I'm drinking a cup of their house espresso blend called Blend X, which is a mix of their um, Honduras Cafe Solar, Ethiopia Sidamo, I hope I'm pronouncing this properly, and uh, Papua New Guinea beans. Um, it's like it's really bright, rich, and balanced. Mm. And uh, ooh, sorry, this is really good. <laughs> um, I also the uh, acidity is is medium, and like for me, I can't do high acidity. I have to do low to medium acidity. So this is the perfect coffee, in my opinion, if you like medium acidity. And also, it has hints of like fruit and honey, so it's just a little uh, bit sweet. Wow. Which is what's it smell like? Ooh, I can actually smell a bit of the fruitiness in there as well. Nice. Mm -hmm. mm. Wow. So yeah, Josh. Now that I yep. am extremely caffeinated, let's talk about you. Spiritually intoxicated, actually. Yes, you mean. I am totally spiritually <laughs> intoxicated. I am enlightened. In this an is a spiritually state. intoxicated episode. Yes, it, right. <laughs> I, I seem to be the only one since neither of you drinking coffee right now. Um, but yeah, Josh, you were you born in Shuri, or is that somewhere that you moved to? I actually moved here from Bangkok, Thailand. Actually, what? So yeah. you're born in in Bangkok. Yes, I, I was born in Bangkok, Thailand, and but I'm actually a Filipino. So it's always it's a it's a really big like biography thing I always tell people when I have to introduce myself when mm -hmm. I people ask about where I'm from. But yeah, Bangkok, Thailand. So you're Filipino. So your family was originally from the Philippines, or yep, that's right. Uh, my mom and dad are Filipino, but then they moved to Thailand, and then uh. they made me. And for ten years, I stayed in Bangkok, Thailand, and then when I turned ten, I moved to Surrey. BC. Oh wow! What language do you speak outside of English? Uh, I only speak English. I'm not too strong in any other languages, to be honest. Uh, so they, but my family do speak. My family around me does speak like the Galog and all that. Oh okay, okay. Mm. So coming to Canada from Thailand at the age of ten was that difficult for you, or was it an easy transition? Uh, 
Yeah, it was kind of hard because I had to uproot a lot of my like life there because like mm-hmm. my dad got a job here and well, I just wanted to bring us over here. So I I made all my childhood friends had to, I had to say goodbye to all of them. So that was the hardest part. But I think I had it pretty easy in transitioning because I could already speak English pretty well because I grew up in an international school. Oh. So like okay. I was able to like I I felt like I was refitting in the moment I landed here. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Did. But the one thing I really yep. like. Appreciated when I came here was the fact that everything was so clean, you know, <laughs> compared to like where I was where I was in Bangkok, Thailand. But yeah, that that's a little other note, side note there. I yeah, I've never I've never been to Bangkok. It's actually one of the places that's on my bucket list of places to go. So before we move into life in Canada, can you describe a little bit about growing up in Bangkok? Oh yeah, uh, I might be describing it in like roast into the goggles because you know it's it's been a long time and mm-hmm. many good memories were from Thailand. But basically, I grew up in a little uh, little like town, I guess. Well, it's more uh, looking yeah a, a little town where our main transportation was like bikes, bikes basically. So we yeah. went around town riding bikes, and I felt and I was able to like explore the place. It was full of like different cultures, like and it was really cool to like um, learn from all of them. Yeah, growing up, it just felt like normal childhood. It felt like a. It was a fun time. That's all I could say for now. <laughs> yeah. Back Sorry, then, I, I felt like I scuffed that answer a lot. <laughs> was there uh, a lot of North American pop culture influence in Bangkok when at that age, at that time? Oh, yes. For me, yes, there was. Because uh, I grew up, we grew up watching a lot of um, like American Hollywood movies back there, too. And. Cartoon Network and TV shows are oh, from yeah. North America, so yeah, got influenced a lot by that stuff. Uh, were you able to speak Tagalog? No, you were no. In- so you were always speaking English. Yes, I was surrounded by a lot of English like uh, media, uh, so that's that's where I learned a lot about my uh, my way of communication, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And your parents spoke English with you as well. Yes, but they could speak like fluent Tagalog. So, but then right. when he spoke to me, it was always English, and I would never pick up on the Tagalog. So <laughs> I was a bit slow on that front. So in Canada, once you're here, um, did your parents ever try to encourage any cultural customs or other aspects of your culture into your life, or did you just, I guess, let you integrate into Canadian culture, and that was it? Uh. They, when we landed here, I think they, they really allowed me to really, just do my own thing and just mm-hmm. really, connect with like the people here, you know. So, I, but they still did like try to, um, like keep the values of like family, as always in in terms of, like Asian culture and like Filipino culture, yeah, always with us too. So. Yeah, always like a um, you know blessing a, a manopo. That's what you call a bless in Tagalog. Mm-hmm. It's like when you like grab an elder's hand and you place it against your forehead, like that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I, I'm sure you're familiar with that. Um, How about food? Did uh, did your parents cook a lot of cultural foods at home? Uh, yeah, yeah, my dad did a lot. Any uh, any dishes you can mention? Yes, there's a Filipino dish called sinigang. That was really good. Oh, I mean, I mean, my my sisters and my brothers really liked it more than I did. But it's something that he always cooked, and it's something I always associate with my dad. It's like this tamarind soup, right? Right, Abby? 
Uh, my sister's over there. <laughs> oh, sorry. Hello. <laughs> yeah. Hello. Yes, the gang. And it's a, uh, it's a very like sour soup, full of, like these really um, like different vegetables in it and pork and all that. It's yeah, he cooked it pretty often and it was pretty good. Are you able to cook any cultural foods? No, I'm not. All I have is egg and spam in my in my repertoire. <laughs> Nice. Right I'm, I'm pretty proficient at egg and spam myself. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Awesome. I do wish to cook more, though. I, I would love to learn more about that stuff. Yeah. I'm, uh, yeah, my wife is the better cook. Like, she can cook a variety of foods, whereas mm -hmm. I'm just like, let me see what I have. Let me see if I can cook it. <laughs> <laughs> what's, what's your favorite dish that she cooks? Lasagna. Lasagna. Uh, lasagna. Ooh, ooh. Like, my favorite food is lasagna. Yes. But, my wife knows just how much of every ingredient to put in, like just the right amount of meat, just the right amount of cheese, you know, just the right amount of sauce. Cause I don't like my stuff too saucy. And there are a lot of places that does their, uh, that cooks their lasagna with just so much tomato sauce. And then there's so much salt in the tomato yeah, sauce. Right? My yeah. wife is just, Oh, <laughs> sorry. Now I'm thinking about it. And, I'm like salivating. <laughs> <laughs> man, I really like, respect cooking in general because like it's such a like, such an art form, man. Just having to mm -hmm. put all these small things and ingredients and having to do things over and over again to find the right taste. Like, oh, I, oh, yeah. I highly respect like cooking a lot. But my wife <laughs> just discovered something new during the pandemic, which is uh, chicken breast on a stick breaded with bran flakes. I know it sounds crazy. Bran flakes? Bran flakes. Like Kellogg's bran flakes. She'll Whoa. crush them. Yeah? Yeah, and then kind of use uh, a yogurt sauce that she makes to... She put, like, dips the chicken in it, and then, you know, sticks the bran flakes to the chicken, and then bakes it. It's oh, insane. Man. That sounds great. Oh. Yeah. When you brought the yogurt, too, like, wow. Like, I, I, I imagine, like, I, I don't know, like, when a chef would think, oh, let's put some yogurt in it. Because, like, you, when I think yogurt, I think of, like, those little cups. You know? Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, that kind of thing. Like, I wouldn't actually think about putting that yogurt into anything. But, I don't know, chefs think in a different different mindset. Your wife thinks in a different mindset. In terms yeah. of cooking, so, like, respect to that, really. <laughs> <laughs> so, do you live with your family? Right? Yes, like, I do. You're, oh, okay. So, what kind, mm -hmm. of, uh, what kind of foods have you guys been cooking during the pandemic? Uh... <clears throat> kind of foods my mom's been cooking a lot of like fried chicken lately for us yeah. it's pretty good just like you know breading it seasoning it very good uh there was this also this soup that was really good i have to ask her what it was i'll probably text you later but yeah. I'm, so i don't really remember right now but it was basically kind of like she would call it like this is what the poor people eat in the philippines and actually it actually tasted pretty good you know yeah I, I, like like in the slums but then I forgot what you call it, but I'll try to remember it. Has she, did she cook that when you were young, growing up? Or is it uh, something just now? It's just something just now, because I think, because she had friends teach her um, different recipes while in quarantine. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it was great. So, talking back about your childhood again. So, you're you're an editor now, a film editor. Was, like, growing up, was that something you were already interested in? Or did this come later? Oh, uh, I think it's something that really came later, but I'm not, but I do credit a lot of my, like, I do credit a lot of my editing to, and, like, fascination with, like, um, 
like storytelling to my childhood back in Thailand. Yes, definitely, because in like Thailand. Yes, because in Thailand, like I, I felt like a bit more free compared to I was compared to how I was here in uh, North America when I moved here. Because like you know, parents wanted me to be safe. They're kind of a bit overprotective of me. But in mm-hmm. Thailand, they let me run around in bikes and and like you know find lizards in the ground and like pick it up and you know like explore basically. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, so I do credit my my sense of adventure to Thailand, and I also played a lot of like action figures and stuff when I was in th- when I was a child too. And I made little action movies with them in my head and oh, made wow. one of these stories. So, yeah, I, I do credit a lot to that. Did you ever bring any of any of those, I guess, action figure movies to life growing up? Growing up, uh, did you make no, any movies <laughs> out of them? Uh, no, I haven't. No, no, <laughs> they're all buried deep into my childhood brain. So yeah. leading up to university, what were you thinking you were going to do? Oh, uh, I actually, uh, I'm going to rewind it back a bit. I actually mm-hmm. wanted to become a filmmaker in high school. When oh, I, wow. Yes. Yeah, when I, you know the TV show uh, Jackass? I looked up to that show a lot, and so did my friends. So we did a lot of stupid pranks in high school. Mm-hmm. So we did some stunts here and there, and I always end up being the one holding the camera. And uh, editing it, and then making, and then like releasing it, and I, I really enjoyed the the happiness that it gave to to me, and my friends, and all the people who watched it. So mm-hmm. I just kept editing, I kept working with it, and eventually it made me want to become a filmmaker, to attend Capilano University, and uh, finish a Bachelor of Motion Picture Arts there. Oh, uh, yeah, cool. So. I have no idea how old you are. So you you mentioned releasing the videos. Was this on uh, YouTube? Yes, it was on YouTube. But I kind of like, I it's still on YouTube actually. Yeah, actually, still oh, cool. on YouTube. Yeah, it's on my YouTube channel, like way back, like early grade eleven. And to, to answer your question, how old I am? I'm actually twenty three, right now. Wow, you you won this festival at a really young age. That's amazing. Were you? Uh, did you watch a lot of anime as well? Oh yeah, yeah, I did. <laughs> Like and actually building up to that, mo- building up to watch to making Five Fingers of Fury, I was actually like watching a lot of anime too and being inspired by it, and a lot of Bruce Lee and uh, Jackie Chan and Tony Jaa, and just, just studying their fight scenes and really wanting to make something like that mm-hmm. in quarantine. So yeah. And during the, uh, I guess post video interview during the ISFF, I noticed you had a background on your computer. You're a video gamer. Yes, I yes I am. Yeah, uh, the background is actually Persona Five. I'm. Did you brought Good it up? Game. You play Persona Five? I'm playing play it Persona again 5? right now. Oh no way! It's like it's one of my favorite games right now. It's so good. I love it. I'm really inspired by it. I still haven't played it. I own it, but yeah, I know Nightingale loves it. Oh heck yeah, Nightingale! You're like 100% cooler right now. <laughs> sorry, yeah, my, sorry, I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm kind of I guess I've stolen your heart now, huh? <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> you know that reference, man. Yep, that's right, that's right. Yeah, I'm stuck. I, I like to finish games before I move on, so I'm stuck in Borderlands 3 right now. Oh, okay. Yeah, you can you can watch me play it horribly on Twitch. <laughs> oh, I'd love to. I'd love to check it out. I love, I've been going on Twitch for a while, too. Cool, cool. Yeah. All right, so... um. Let's talk about your film. Were you looking to make a film similar or or the film that ended up being made prior to the ISFF getting announced? Or was it something that you got motivated to make because of the ISFF? 
Uh, actually, Five Fingers of Fury was a film I made for the Vancouver Quarantine Performance Project, which is a what? film festival here in Vancouver. Yes, it's 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 kind of similar to the ISFF, but more local in Vancouver. Oh, that, did it yeah. happen? Yes, it happened. Yes. Oh wow! Did and were you I a selection. Had, yes, I was a selection, and I uh, the film won best film and audience Whoa. choice. So it did pretty well in the, the local community here. Congratulations, man. Yeah, thank you. That's two festivals. Yeah, right? It's crazy. Holy. Yeah. <laughs> One film to win them all. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's just slowly have... growing my quarantine career. <laughs> I, I, I don't know what to say. You're this young. You have all the talent. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you so much. Thank you. You're I mean, welcome. I don't credit only to myself. I also have my brother and sister who really helped me with the film, mm-hmm. too. So... Okay, uh, you mentioned a few of your influences uh, in terms of, I guess, uh, martial arts films. Uh, are there are there any other influences in in terms of things like, for example, the types of uh, shots that you made, the type of cinematography you chose to use for this film? Oh yes, yes, there definitely is. Like, um, I mentioned Jackie Chan as a big inspiration. Mm-hmm. As well, like um, before that, I actually watched this movie called Armor of God by uh, Jackie Chan. Yes. Oh, you know about that movie, right? Oh yeah, absolutely. Oh yeah, I was studying the fight scene between Jackie Chan and uh, the Amazon ladies in there. Yep, yep. Like, and I was studying how, like, why did he use certain shots and certain like edits to make it work, and actually applied it to the film. So um, that's one rest. That's one um, inspiration. I'm also really inspired by Edgar Wright of Baby Driver slash Shaun of yes. the and I look up to another a British filmmaker named Gareth Evans who directed The Raid. Oh, oh wow. Movie? Okay, yeah. Yeah, many, many uh, inspirations, but I would say in particular this film, it would be those three. Yeah. Did you, I guess, did you study the films more to make this film or were they already films you've seen pri- like not as uh, to study for this film, but to... Like, you were already like, I want to make a film that has all these elements, and then this is what came of it. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, I actually was already a big, like, action film nerd. Mm-hmm. So, like, I... Back in uh, university, I'd actually, like, take uh, action movies I'd like and actually study the fight scenes and actually study their scenes. Nice. And actually just happened to apply it over time in all the films I've made in the past as well. Right. And, and it just happened to build up to this moment of uh, Five Fingers of Fury. Because, yeah, oh, I did, yeah, I did notice you have quite a bit of what seems like old like old school chinese kung fu movies like mm-hmm. from hong kong in the choreography that you were using so i, I was just i was very curious about that <laughs> <laughs> did you watch a lot of chinese kung fu movies outside uh, of jackie chan and all that mostly only just jackie chan no but oh, then i okay. think most of my like my dose of um uh hong kong cinema mostly comes from watching like fight scenes online of uh, uh you know you know sometimes you get into that rabbit hole right where you watch a jackie chan fight scene and all of a sudden you go into another into another and then you go into uh jet lee and then you know what i'm talking about no absolutely oh yep, yep. oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah like, like that kind of thing so i i just ended up like just really delving deep into that and you know really appreciating but i also watched a fair share of it too like stephen chow I love is a big Chow. influence to me as well. I, I love his movies. He scared, his his movie uh, Kung Fu Hustle. Uh, I I watched it back in Thailand when I was still a kid, and that movie scared the crap out of me for some reason. <laughs> I don't know why, because it was just so violent to me back then. It, but then watching, it, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but then watching it again now, it's actually hilarious. It's so funny. 
It is. Uh, yeah. Shaolin Soccer is actually my favorite movie of all time. Wow, so, yeah. yeah. I still have, I still yet to watch it, but I watched some clips and it's hilarious. <laughs> it's, it's really good. I personally like the story that they were telling in Shaolin Soccer more than Kung Fu Hustle, but do recognize that the, uh, I guess, the fight choreography in Kung Fu Hustle is just masterpiece level. So mm-hmm, can't really mm-hmm. beat that. What about any uh, anime influences in your film, or is it just uh, action uh, action films? Uh, in in my film, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I I'm actually an anime that I've been really inspired by recently is uh, My Hero Academia. <laughs> oh my god, <laughs> it is. That? I'm obsessed with it right now. I'm in. Uh, I just started season four. Oh really? Oh, yeah. I still have yet to start it because like I I finished it at the end of season three when they were still waiting to make the season four. Yeah. So I'm still in like a little limbo right now, but I got I gotta hop onto it though. Oh no! You should definitely, definitely start season four because it just it gets so much more intense. Heck so, yeah! I should yeah. totally should. Do you watch yeah. this one, Nightingale? Yeah, I've been rewatching Inuyasha. Inuyasha. I haven't watched Inuyasha oh yet, unfortunately. Yeah, it, that one's old school for me. So mm. <laughs> I watched it when it was, uh, I guess, newer. <laughs> mm. Me yeah, but I'm rewatching it, man. It's more funnier when you're older because, like, I realize like it's it's more funnier. I don't know. I just find it really funny now. <laughs> That's great. The thing I really liked about My Hero Academia is like, oh, I mean, it, even though it's like a classic shonen type of vibe, mm-hmm. like the the whole I always like relate to a story of an underdog. You know, like yes. working his way up to the top. You know, Deku in My Hero Academia is an underdog, and he works. He has really great ambitions. He has a big goal, and we really attach to him because he's actually trying to reach that goal. And he actually is Deku is actually a big inspiration to me as well, you know. So yeah. <laughs> no, absolutely. No, I Deku's my favorite character because of that exact thing. The fact that he, you know, even when he's handed, you know, the greatest power ever, he still works at it and works at it and doesn't stop working at it to be the greatest, right? Yeah. So that's just so inspirational. So I'm glad to hear that it's an influence for you too. Mm-hmm. Um, so. In terms of making your film, how long did it take to, uh, for you to make it? And can you tell us a little bit about the process? Oh, yes, of course. Um, the film actually took us two days to make. Two days, yes. That's uh, it? Yep, two days. <laughs> it, I mean, like, I remember it was like the day before the deadline of the VQPP. And mm-hmm. I was thinking, I was like really wanting to make something. So I just thought of like, you know, using my hands to make it end up. The process of it was basically like, you know, me using my hands to choreograph it and me memorizing the choreography and just like picking it up on the spot. And then, you know, since I can't hold the camera, I call my brother from like, you know, playing his switch. Hey, come yeah. out, come down here. And I, t- I, I make him use my phone and, and, and I, um, he basically sits in front of me, you know, and he holds the, holds the camera mm-hmm. and I put my hands in front of the camera and I just basically acted it out, you know? <laughs> wow. That's some efficient filmmaking. Yeah, and creative too. Yeah, yeah so you're working what you with have, whatever really. you have in isolation, right? Yeah, like before the quarantine happened, like I actually worked on a lot of. I actually like make a lot of action films uh, uh, overall. Like, and I work with some people a lot too. And we were kind of like on a roll for a bit, like making action films. But then when the quarantine happened, we kind of had to stop. And I had like that itch to make something. So it, you know, just work what you have. Hands, make an action film with your hands. <laughs> <laughs> When you say you're you were making action films, were they like short films? Yes, they're short films. Yes. Are they on YouTube? 
Uh, yes, I do have a couple on YouTube actually. You can check it out. Uh, there's a film called Chinellas. Uh, okay. It's a Chinellas is a is a Filipino word for uh, for slippers. And you know, like that big Asian stereotype where like your mom gets angry and she grabs a pair of slippers and like whacks you around. Yes. Yeah. It it basically pokes fun at that and actually got viral. It has 250k on YouTube right now. Oh I think. wow! Nice. Yeah, I I'd love to share it with you sometime. No, absolutely. And, and recently, I I was very very grateful to be a part of uh, the Crazy Eights of uh, Film Society, which is basically like this um this filmmaking competition in Vancouver where we have seven days to make uh, sorry eight days to make a film. Mm-hmm. And we made a film called Mr. James is Dead, and it did really really well. And I I could show you I could uh, show you guys sometime soon. Right now it's going to a festival circuit. We sent it to Toronto International Film Festival, so hopefully you can see it there. And, I hope so too. Uh, yeah. If it gets accepted, hopefully, <laughs> and other places around the world too. So, yeah. Well, I'm looking forward to to seeing this film. Oh yeah, um, Mr. J- I'll, I'll talk more about Mr. James is Dead if you don't if you don't mind. Yeah, go ahead. So, um, Mr. James is Dead is an action comedy film that follows um, Tom, who's attending his estranged father's funeral, who learns that his father is a spy the whole time. <sighs> yes, but the thing is, the the funeral is being attended by his father's spy villains. And he has to find a way to survive in this crazy um, mess, basically. So yeah, uh, shout out to my co-director Daniel Irving and my producer Luisa, for uh, and Peter, the actor in the film and the writer, for uh, bringing us in this crazy journey. So yeah, still a shout out to them. <laughs> so back to Five Fingers of Fury. That last shot, where where we see you, was that something added later, or was that always in the script? I'm curious. Uh, Actually, that is something that's always been in the script to me. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. I actually <laughs> didn't write just, a script. It was just something that we just thought of like, like as we're filming it, you know? That's really impressive. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Because, yeah, that, that, that scene right at the end just looks so improvised. And I guess in a way it is that I was like, wait, was that added on? Because it's perfect. It's, it's a great way to end it. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I honestly couldn't think of any other way to end it. I mean, I could end it with like the hands kind of like pressing down on each other on the thing, mm-hmm. but I felt like that wasn't as satisfying. I mean, sure, he the, the the character ended up winning at the end, but I just thought of like you know disarming the audience and just you know making it pretty funny, and just making people laugh. Yeah, at the last shot. <laughs> so now that you've won two film festivals with this film, do you have more plans for it? Uh, yes, actually. Uh, I've actually sent it to a few more uh, isolation film festivals. Ooh. Yeah, uh, I think there's four in, in the running right now, four in the queue. So oh I'm just waiting goodness. for the notifications, and yeah, I'll keep you guys updated on what happens. Yes, please. And, Yay. you know, good luck. We hope you get into all of them and win them all. <laughs> oh, <laughs> thank you, thank you. <laughs> One film okay. to win them all. Mm-hmm, that's right. So, Nightingale... You got some questions from our listeners for Josh. Yeah, so oh. what are some common mistakes filmmakers tend to make? Okay, common mistakes filmmakers tend to make is that, yeah, they tend to overthink about what they need for the film, when really you can work with what you have and make the most out of it, really, and think only, only, only about the story. Just really go forward with that. I feel. I feel like you've already answered our second question, which is some tips for first-time filmmakers. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, I think you, what you answered pretty much covers that. Yeah, uh, for for me, 
uh, what, what, I've, what I've always been told by like my mentors and all that is to always work with what you have, you know? Like, mm -hmm. sure, you can be ambitious with like your goals and like what you want to tell with the story, but you can't really expect to like have a car chase in your film or whatever, you know? You can't really expect to be handed, handed these things to you. You've got to work with the things that you have around you to tell the story that you can tell, you know? Mm -hmm. So that's something that's really important to first-time filmmakers. Work with what you have. Yeah, I think that that comes with like the saying like, you know, you are you have to work with like the cards that you've been dealt with, right? Like even if you don't have like the best hand, the real mm -hmm. skill comes from like working with exactly what you have other than having the best deck of yes, cards in yes, hand. Yes, yes, exactly, exactly. And another thing that I've I've come to learn, thankfully really early in my career, is that no one is the cavalry isn't coming basically. So like uh, to explain more on that is that even though yes I've like won this film festival this wonderful thing amazing stuff and I've been blessed with these amazing opportunities like the only way for me to get better or to anyone to get better is to really focus on yourself and keep working on that like no one like no one's gonna hand you like rewards and silver plate like a car chase scene or like a bunch of like things for you you can't really expect that to happen you just gotta work on the things that you do have and what you can do really so the Calvary well isn't coming, basically. Well said, well said. And final question. Final place to eat in Vancouver and why? You can also mention a place in Surrey, too. Oh, the best place to eat in Surrey or in, in Vancouver in general? Either. You can say both. Either. Or both. Okay. Hmm. Recently, like, uh, a friend just actually came over and dropped off some really great ramen from a place called Marutama. It's a ramen place that's amazing. It's amazing. I... Just like even I just had it this morning and the taste is still like in my mouth. It's wonderful. It's basically in the metro town area in Burnaby, if you're familiar with the area. Oh, yeah. And yeah. I think it's it's ranked as like one of the best ramen places in Vancouver. So if you're around the area, go check it out. Mm. Really. So Josh, do you have anything you want to plug before we end the episode? Anything I want to plug? Yeah. Uh, sure. Yeah. I I think uh just. Uh, follow me on my Instagram, uh, Josh Aries, uh, and uh, also follow my latest film, our latest adventure, Mr. James is Dead, Mr. James is Dead on Instagram as well. And yeah, that, that that's all I can plug in right now. That's really. all right. That's what comes to my mind. Yeah. yeah. You know, Josh, thank you so much for sitting down with us, for chatting with us. We really appreciate you giving us a bit of your time and you know allowing us to get to know you a bit better. Of course, of course. Thank you so much for having me. It was really fun talking with you guys. Congrats yeah, on everything, and we look forward to following you on your adventure and seeing more films from you. Okay, thank you, thank you. I'm looking forward to seeing the rest of your episodes in this podcast, too. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much. All right, Knight, how can people connect with you? Y'all can find me on Instagram at knight.nguyen. And I am on Instagram and Twitter as at Michael C.W. Chan. You can also find me on my website at michaelchan.ca listeners thank you so much for joining us each and every episode we really appreciate you and stay home stay safe and as always stay, stay hungry, hungry. this has been talking with our mouthful with michael chan and nightingale nguyen the music by bensound.com if you enjoyed this episode, why don't you join us on Instagram and Twitter at @twmfpodcast. We have a lot of bonus content like food pics, behind-the-scenes shenanigans, and more info about all the places Michael and Nightingale visit. 
And if you haven't already, please subscribe. A new episode comes out every two weeks. Thanks again for listening, and stay hungry.